Hello everybody and welcome to this week's podcast. Hope you're doing well. Thank you for tuning in. Now, a few weeks ago, Pierce, we did a podcast where we said six things we would, we would do differently mm-hmm. if we were to actually compete again. And we, we actually had a load more and we said, oh, we'll do a part two. So basically, this is part two and we've got another five things that we would do. We're going to share with you that we would do if we competed again and hopefully that provides some some thoughts and some different actions that's hopefully going to help your golf. Now, before we get into this, um, we're really excited because we are about to launch our first ever Fix Your Slice 30-day challenge. Now, if you're struggling with consistency off the tee and you have this horrible slice, which a lot of golfers do, we've created this challenge, which we believe that will fix your slice for good in 30 days. It's a nine-step thing that we've come up with over the last few years, Pierce, yeah. that if they go through... It will, it will correct their slice, it will completely fix it if they do the drills that we've actually got in there yeah. as well. And I think the, the problem with this is, and we've got another podcast on this I think next week, but the problem is when someone's got the slice, there's so many things that they're trying to do which they're trying to fix it but just don't work and they're out of sequence and that's why our nine step framework, like you say, it's really been our key to fixing the average golfer with their slice over the last 20 years. And yeah. we, we, we can guarantee this program does work. For us, you've got to follow really what well. we say, though. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to follow what we say for sure. But I think we're, we're really excited on what it's going to do. The power of this, we're going to be using the Me and My Golf app to video your golf swing so you can know exactly what to look for and use our best drills on how we're going to fix it. Yeah, so, yeah, we're, we're super excited. I think the entry closes at the end of May. End of May, 31st of May. So, yeah, entry close that date. Click the link in the description. There's more details about it there. There's some amazing things, prizes up for grabs as well. So, check it out when, once you've listened to this. Um, but if you are struggling, it will help you off the tee. Okay, let's get into today's podcast then, Piers. So um, we did come up with quite a few, so we thought we'll do part two. Mm. Let's go with the first one then, yours first. first. My first one. So I've got great range sessions. And I said that slowly for impact. <laughs> but also because it was hard for me to say, <laughs> as we discovered before the podcast. So, and it kind of goes into this slice. Whatever you're trying to work at in your game, how can you get the most um, powerful range session when you're on the golf when you're on when you've got that time to practice now it might mean that you haven't got loads of time to practice and this actually suits that really well as well but also this is something that you can last a little bit longer if you have got longer to practice so the way i would break it up and it's all about how you break it up for me a good session on the range is broken into two parts first part being working your technique so how can you work at your technique um, if, you, if, if, we, if we find like we've got the video in this here, if you actually saw what I did then, you why do you always get wrong? Like, oh, yes. I with fingers. <laughs> so, so the first, then you're flipping part, the bird. The yeah, yes, that went worth. I was flipping the bird. So the, the way I would break it down is the first half of the session is about technique and understanding exactly what you want to work at, exactly what your plan is, and understanding exactly how you're going to do that. So what I would do is, and we learned this from Dave Phillips, and this is you know to the. Uh, the co-founder of TPI and also John Rahm's coach, that if you can have 20 full immersion shots, by that it is maybe having some practice swings for a couple of minutes, working at the right things, the right drills, and then hit a shot. And if you can hit 20 shots like that, a lot of reports now, a lot of um, a lot of studies now show that that is a really powerful way to change your game. And if Change your swing, sorry. And if you're spending too long hitting golf balls, let's say you hit 50 balls working at your technique, 
often we'll find that the results aren't that good. If you have 20 shots, full immersion, where you're taking your time, lots of practice swings, lots of drill work, lots of shadow drills, that will allow you then to change your golf swing a lot quicker and a lot more effectively. Quick question then, just for, for the viewers and the listeners, full immersion, just what do you mean by full immersion? Yeah, because that, yeah. that's important to just elaborate on that. Yeah, so basically let's just say that we are, <clears throat> let's say we're trying to get rid of a sway. Okay, we understand that the sway is causing our slides or it's helping to cause our issues with our ball striking. All of the focus then will be into how you pivot your hips in the backswing. So it might mean sticking an alignment stick in the ground for some feedback. It may mean standing in front of a mirror. It may mean videoing your practice swings. But basically what you're going to do is, it may mean more hip turn, you know, working your hip turn as opposed to getting rid of the sway that way. But what you're doing is your full focus for maybe a minute or two is on those drills and those swings, really ingraining the visuals of how it feels and really understanding what does this feel like now so that when I hit the shot, I've got more chance of replicating it. As opposed to saying, I'm gonna hit a ball now, I'm gonna work and not swing. And I'm just gonna maybe put the alarm stick and just hit a shot. And then not really know whether you're doing this. So the full immersion gives you time to use mirrors, video cameras, drills to really sort of pinpoint exactly what you're doing. Yeah, I think for, for this, for you guys listening to this, I think that the question to ask yourself is when you go to the range, where is your attention? And what Pierce is talking about here is that the attention is on the exact thing that you're trying to work on. If it's the sway, the focus and the attention is on trying to fix that sway, improving that pivot motion of the hips. And if you're going to the range and just your pure attention is solely on the golf ball, but you, you, try, you know you need to make a change in your hips, but your attention's on the ball, well, guess what? You're not really gonna change your hips. So understand where that attention is when you're on the range. And if you are trying to fix a, a certain swing pattern that you've got, have that time to place that attention because that's where the change is. Instead of hitting a, a hundred golf balls with minimal attention on the hips and loads on the golf ball, you're not gonna make changes doing that. Yeah, and I think understanding, if you actually ask yourself now, what did your last <clears throat> practice session actually look like? Were you that um, were you that precise with trying to change your golf swing? Answer is probably no, because it, it takes some time. I mean, you hitting twenty balls in, you know, half an hour sounds like it's it, that sounds like hard work, but actually it's, it's very um, powerful work. It's going to change it quicker. Right, okay, so the next thing that what you do from that then, so that maybe the next 50% of the session, let's say the next 20 balls, is just what we would call random golf. So you are now creating golf course environments potentially on the, on the driving range. So maybe it's you playing the course. You can actually play the first hole, you can hit a good drive and then okay, I hit a good drive at the fair, then I'll hit a seven iron to the green. Or it could be you just actually just going for different yardages, picking different clubs, making sure you've got specific targets to hit too. But basically what you're doing is you're trying to create a golf course environment on the range. And you can put pressure on that if you want to. It could be that you've got a target that you have to do. Let's say you've got 20 shots, and if you, you want to try and get 12 in the target zone that you're aiming for on that specific shot, but you'd never hit the same club back to back. You'd always go, well, I'll just hit a seven iron, now I'm going to go to drive, then I'm going to go to an eight iron, then I'm going to go to a five iron. So you're always randomizing everything that you get. Because obviously, just like golf is, the last thing you want to be doing when you're playing golf is hitting the same club twice in a row. That no. means you've just lost the first one, probably. Mm. So yeah, that would be my thoughts on that. So make sure the first part is pure, full immersion on technique, and then the second part is random golf. I think that's pretty good. Effective, world-class, yeah. efficient, great, efficient practice session. Andy. 
What have you got? Okay, so my next thing would be daily stretching. I think this is something that when I competed, I just wasn't really doing that. I'd be in the gym, I'd train, but I wasn't doing daily stretching. And I think <clears throat> from two aspects I'd want to do this is that, first of all, I want to make sure that I can prevent, and Andy Corbett wouldn't like that. <laughs> I'd, um, I'd want to limit the chances of injury. <laughs> <I like laughs> That's it. probably the best way. Andy C is going to definitely um, text his thumb. So yeah, I'd want to limit the chances of injury, but also look, I look at it and I go, well, the amount of time that me and Pierce have been coaching now, and when someone steps on the lesson T, and we're asking them to do certain things, okay, look, we want you to create a better pivot with the hips. And they've got tight hips, they've got tight thoracic spine, they've got tight shoulders, they've got tight lats, and they can't do the things that we would like them to do. And generally, I'd say, Pierce, let's say the demographic is between, let's say, 40 and 60 male, which generally it is. You know, these people have been maybe sat in an office job or whatever it might be, and over the years, they've, you know, their, their bodies have got tighter and stiffer and, and they're not able to move as much as they could. And, you know, what's the best thing to do that or to prevent that? Well, just daily stretching. You know, for 10 to 20 minutes a day makes a huge difference. I do this now on a daily basis and I feel great and I can't imagine what, what it would be going back to not actually doing it. The other element I would ask, I'd add into this, is that on the back of the daily stretching, I'd also, I'd, I'd know my body more. So years ago, we both got screened by the TPI guys. So we're obviously packing up to go to America. I found, I think, my initial screen that you would have done. Okay, yeah, yeah. Actually at the Belfry, yeah. 2006. Wow, well, 2006 was that past, first screen. Past everything, <laughs> past everything. <laughs> not. <laughs> Um, but basically, I'd, I'd want to know my body. So and again, this is what I would say to you guys, is understand what your body is like. What's your limitations? How much range of motion have you got? Like, I mean, for me, for instance, I know that my internal left hip rotation is a little tight. I know my external right hip rotation is a little tight. So that doesn't help me in certain ways, but I then understand what I can do in my technique to allow for these things. But then it gives me some of the areas that I can work on. Um, when I'm doing my stretching routine as well. And we, look, we created Full Body Freedom with uh, Elizabeth Powell's on, our, on the app that we've got on the website, and it's an amazing plan. Great sessions, working in mobility, all the exercises, rotations, things, for, things that make a massive difference. And I've been through the plan a few times now, and I really love it. So daily stretching for me, if you're not doing it on a, even if it's just weekly stretching, three times a week, or whatever it might be, make a start. It's gonna make a massive difference to your game. Love it, love it, yeah. So my next one would be, I'm going to become a gambler. Well, like Phil Mickelson. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I want to play <laughs> this, this specific kind of gambling, because this is like based on short game as well. So we hear that, uh, is it really an interesting one actually? I think we may have said, that, said uh, talk about this before in the podcast, but when we were at the uh, PGA Championship last year with Aaron, that Harrington was there and Patrick Harrington was struggling with his short game. Well, no, I'm struggling with his short game. You know, he's, he's, he's pretty decent with his short game. But he actually said, he, said he had the yips. He said he was on the podcast. He had the yips. I'm like, I don't think so. But maybe in his mind, he felt that he did have the yips. So what he did is he worked at his short game, obviously, from a technique point of view. But the thing you need to do then is you need to be able to stress it, create chaos in that or create pressure. So what he did was he was literally on the putting green looking for people to bet. And Justin Rose was there. And he said to Justin, he said, let's have a short game challenge. We watched them have this short game challenge and Harrington beat Rose. So obviously his, he can't have, his yips can't be that bad. But what he was doing was it was first to 10 and it was, they, I don't know how much money they got on it, but they were creating that pressure. 
so that you could understand it, it, what you're doing by doing that. I mean, if you think about it, Andy, I'll ask you the question. What would be more pressure playing for money against Justin Rose or playing on the golf course in just a normal competition? Um, I think that even for Harrington, playing on the golf course would be so much more pressure. Because for, for, there'd be still pressure. And I, and I don't depends think how much you're playing for. I don't think it, it does depend how much they're playing for. Because if they're playing for 50 quid, I don't think yeah, that yeah, really matters yeah, for Harrington. Yeah. So it's not, it's, if he loses that, it's not the end of the world. Whereas if he's playing for a considerable amount of money, it, it, it's different. So yeah. he says, I mean, he says that there was something on it which adds a little bit of pressure into it a little bit, but I don't think anything competes with the actual yeah. real scenario. Yeah, I think, I, think the key, you're, I think you're right. I think the key is, though, that, that having a bet on it or creating some pressure some is yeah. definitely better than just working at your technique. Correct. I suppose that's what I'm getting to. So what I would do is, I know John Rahm does this a lot as well. You know, we spoke to John Rahm about this. What, why is your short game so good? And he says, well, look, when I was a kid, all it was, it was up and down competitions. He was nearest the pin competitions with his friends in Spain, or then even when he went to college in uh, Arizona. And it was like, I'm just going to compete all the time. And if you're just someone who works just at, so what I'm getting to really is this is, if I were just to work just at my technique, and you listen to this, you work just at your technique, it's going to crumble when pressure gets put up. Uh, applied to it so how can you create that pressure and I think look taking on your friend around the chipping green and the loser has to um, clean the other person's clubs and things like that and the other one gets the video and put it on their Instagram stories that's a really cool way of creating some but pressure. surely you can just work at your technique so you don't get technical breakdown under pressure of course yes so this is <laughs> this is no. something that we hear a lot you know it's like oh my swing breaks down under pressure well is it the swing that's breaking down under pressure or is it the mind that's breaking down under pressure? Well, guess what? There's probably, there's, there's better golf swings to have under pressure, but certainly what, what, if you're feeling like things are going to crack under pressure, it is generally going to be the mind. So yeah. put yourself in that place more often so you're comfortable with it. And that's what he did. He was yeah. like, he's playing the PGA, uh, the PGA Championship going, I've got the yips, I need to simulate something because I'm going out there to play and I need to perform. And I think he actually finished top 10, didn't he? He did, yeah, he did, yeah. yeah top yeah. 10. And, and, if, and his, you know, if you play golf every day with Michael Jordan <clears throat> or Phil Mickelson, who we know they like a bet on the golf course, you know, what's that eventually going to do to you? You know, you're going to become a, you know, a good player under pressure. So finding a way of creating that environment for you, it could be, it could be as simple as literally, as I say, playing with your friends, loser cleans the clubs. You do that every, you do that every time you go to the golf course together. Amazing. It's funny because we talked about this in the previous one we did as well. This pressure side of things, yeah. being on the golf course and putting yourself in that situation when it matters and you've got a card in your hand and guess what? It's appearing here on the short game. So it's pretty important if you want to compete and score and like you need to have this in a regular on a regular basis. So when you go on the golf course, it's not new and you're not going. Oh, yeah. What do I do? And we did that. We 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 definitely did that. We've done that a lot. I know this. I'll give you two two examples. This actually. So my short game was 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 in a pretty bad state a few years ago, and probably up until recently, only started to get decent again. But I know that when we went to Spain for the Odomatige event at Villa Paviana, me, you, and Matt had a chipping competition, and I remember doing that. I didn't win the competition. I think I think you might have won. Yeah, I think you won. But it was a close game, and I know that if I if that had been like a year before that, I'd have, you know, I wouldn't have got any. But you know, I was able to compete and actually do well. And I remember thinking to myself at that point, these sort of games now are exactly what I need. But I also remember going, this game a year ago would have been terrible for me. 
And sorry about the noise there, Sean's just going to put his food in the microwave. Um, but the other example as well would be that when I was at Oxley and my cousin Dan, who was a pro as well, we, was, we went out on the golf course on the 10th. It was absolutely hammering down. So we played Oxley Park between the 10th and 11th green as a, a walkway underneath some trees. And we were literally playing shots off the bark, off the walkway, and the loser had to get the balls. So it was absolutely chucking it down. So you didn't want to lose because you're going to get wet through. So it can be any way you can just just be creative with <clears> it. Find a way of not enjoying losing. Basically. Yeah. Get a get a bet. Get a dare in there. Or something. Yeah. Dares. I mean, dares. Brilliant. Dares are worse than losing. Aren't they? Yeah. Uh, Andy, what's yours? Next one. Okay, my second one is um, having a, having a really solid iron strategy, I and that. I think the the difference of this is maybe this is. I think this is where we've evolved over time in terms of stats and understanding the game a little bit more and and um, even Tiger, I think somebody said to Tiger so long ago, it was like you're aggressive, you're an aggressive iron player and I think he said I'm aggressive to my conservative spots. So he'd be really particular of where he wants his ball on the green and I think when I was competing before this, I think all I would do, all I would do is I'd zap the flag and I think this is going to relate to a lot of you guys listen to this. You know, most people use range finders. Zap the flag, right, 150. Right, that's my eight iron. So, instead of that, instead of just thinking, zapping the flag, hitting the number to the, to the flag, I'd be really thinking about, well, okay, where is the flag? If the flag is back right, and there's rough at the back of the green, it's 150 away, I would be thinking another level deeper. I wouldn't be thinking, right, it's my 150 club. I'd be going, right, okay, I wanna be, five yards short of the flag. Because I want to take out missing it big. So I want to be five yards short. So that's 145. Then I'd maybe go, okay, I want to be maybe three or four yards left, depending on the club. If it's, if it's a 150, I maybe want to go three or four yards left. If it's along the club, I might want to go more. Um, but I'd be really particular and go, right, it's a 145, I'm going to hit three yards, four yards left of the flag and hit that spot. Because then it gives me room for error instead of just going right it's a 150 club let's aim at the flag bang let's go oh i've missed it big right mm. and then you've got a, an awkward shift that you're going to maybe struggle to get up and down at so all i would do is i would really pay attention to when's an opportunity when i can really go for the flag and just go right it's 110 yards perfect gap wedge bang straight at it um but when do i need to really think okay if it's a, if it's a flag on the front and it's 130 Okay, now, now my club might be 135. Okay, perfect wedge or smooth nine iron. So playing to a spot on the green that's away from the danger, that's not necessarily flag distance away, it might be short, it might be long, it might be right, it might be left. I'd be allowing myself a chance to miss it and actually miss it closer to the hole. We always talk about this as well, Pierce, is that when you watch the golf and you see a, mm. you see um. Uh, let's say a really tight flag, tight flag left, water left, and somebody hits it stiff. And the commentators go, oh, he's took a really aggressive line on that. Hold it. I'm there thinking, he's completely missed his spot. Yeah. But it's ended up three foot away, but his spot would have been maybe five yards right at the flag. But that's the genius in a great iron strategy. If you've got a really good iron strategy, you can hit bad shots and they can end up better than where you're aiming for. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the key. That's one thing that I would do very very different. I'd be I wouldn't just zap it and go. I'd be I'd zap it. I'd think about the danger and I'd pick a spot around that. And I'd also factor in on the day. Also, my pattern of what's going on. Am I failing at the moment? Where's my miss? Is it more right? Okay, I'll factor that in as well. 
So there's a lot, a lot more detail that would go into that. And I think that for you listening to this now, you're probably going, well, that's okay for Andy because he can hit those spots a lot of the time. Well, the, the truth of the matter is he, he's not going to hit them a lot of the time. If he had 18 spots in a round, he might hit two or three, you know, in the precise place. <laughs> I'd be able to do one of But he's, he's allowing for this. And I think this is the thing for you. Don't think that you need to get to a certain level to go, oh, I can start thinking about that when I just get a bit more consistent. Start thinking about it now. Understand what it takes to do all of this now and start putting it into play. You'd be amazed. Even if it only saves you one or two shots around, wow, well, that's a good start. But you've got to start thinking about this at some point. Why not do it now? And we've talked about this in previous stuff as well. If you had an experiment, you took all the flags out of the, mm -hmm. out of the golf course, and you just said, I'm gonna try and hit the middle of the green on every one. <clears throat> well, look, how many ch chances are you gonna hit that spot? Well, no, but you've got room for error, big and long, sorry, big and short, left and right, and chances are you'd have a putt. You'd, and you might end up close to a flag, close to a hole if you didn't know where it was, but if you actually just aimed for the middle of the greens on every single hole, what sort of score would you have? Because you're not chasing down pins and you've got room for error. So. Um, it's something to worth bearing in mind. It's really weird, isn't it? I think I could probably count on one hand, and not that I've any real consciousness of this, but how many times when we were competing that we didn't go for the flag? I mean, there would have been a few instances you may have seen a flag where oh, I just can't go anywhere near that. But even then, you probably would be, if it was back right and it was really tucked in around, you're probably still trying to fade it in there to get it really close anyway. So I just think that we were just always going for flags. Yeah, yeah, just be flag, flag hunting and then miss a green and then you, do, and then you think you've hit a bad shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure game's no good. Yeah, it's <laughs> like actually, well, your strategy at the start needs to be better. So yeah, yeah that would definitely, I'd be, I'd be very, very detailed in that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, last one for me is uh, reflection after play. And there's a few parts to this. So I suppose that the, the one thing that I'd want to do definitely is just understand, well, what did I do well today and what didn't I do well today? So from that point, you can go, well, okay, so I've actually putted well. And we've often spoke about this, that you should make a note of this, especially when you're, when you're doing things well. So there's something that Carl Morris got us to do a long time ago. I've spoken about it to our team, me and my golf members in that creating a diary of your good shots is a good thing to do to actually have um, to reflect on what your good shots were and it's not like oh i hold a 20 footer on the first it's like oh i hold a 20 footer on the first it was a right to left break and dave said this and jill said that and you know trying to really almost remember that a year down the line so if you write down a detailed um sentence on what you actually on what actually happened on that putt you then have something to look back in over time. Imagine you've got 100 shots in your good shot diary, that you can actually go back in over time and go, oh yeah, I remember these shots, and you really get immersed into it, and you start to remember that maybe in times when you're not playing so well, that actually, yes, you are good and you can hit good shots. So I think it's really good to, to have that from that positive side, but it's also good to understand, well, what could be better at the moment, so that something doesn't really get into you. Let's just say that you do stats and you use your Arcos stats and then suddenly you find out six months down the line that actually I'm not really good at short game. I'm not very good at getting up and down. And it's, you, you let the stats have to tell you. Now, of course, stats will always uncover things, but actually if you're keeping, if you're having reflection after you've played, you can start to make a note and go, well, today actually the short game wasn't so, wasn't so good. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll park that and understand is it going to be the same next time? But also there's things like, so you get to understand what you're not doesn't become a problem further down the line. 
But you also get to understand, well, how could I have played the course better today? What was my mindset like today? You know, was, did I have a good warm-up? Was I in a rush? Did I have an argument with the missus or the partner, you know, before I, before I left the house? So you just get to, to understand trends and this reflection will, uh, will really help you understand what you do well, what works and what doesn't work. And that's the thing that we do now with our business is we want to get as much and measure as much information as possible so we can just make good decisions. If you've got lots of information on good reflection, then you can actually make some really good decisions with the game in the future. Definitely. I could have spoken about that for hours, by the way, but I wanted to try and keep that as short as possible. So let's just recap on the five then, Peter, that yeah. we've got there. So we'll just go through the first one. So great rain sessions, so maybe splitting it so you've got a good um, uh, full immersion technique and then you are working at some random golf. Secondly, Andy, yours was the daily stretching, get involved in some yoga maybe, which you do a lot of get, now. Get the body moving, Crucial. really important thing. And, yeah. and understand your body as well. I think that's a, that's a really good point that he made there. Uh, short game betting from me, so just understanding, you know, put some pressure, put some consequence on your short game. Iron strategy, having an amazing strategy, that's so important. We're learning that from seeing these best players in the world and just understanding, even just when we play golf with, a, with an amateur golfer, yeah. the, the yeah, regular yeah. golfer, the average golfer. It's got that flag. Oh my goodness, why have you just tried that shot? Are you seriously doing this every time you go out there when you play golf? So we can definitely see that happen a lot. And obviously the last thing there is just reflect after you play, give yourself a bit of time, even if it's just 10 minutes, even if it's a notebook, just write a few things down on how the day's gone and understand more about your game. There we go. There's five things that um, you can do, hopefully. Um, screenshot this, tag us in, message us on Instagram. Let us know which one is the most, um, I suppose the strongest one there that you think you could actually work on as well, or maybe the weaker one that you need to focus on as well. And remember, if you are struggling with consistency off the tee, and you are struggling with the slice, make sure you check it out. The Fix Your Slice 30 Day Challenge. It's going to, I'm really looking forward to this because there's going to be so many great things. And I know how powerful this, um, this framework is. So if you are struggling with the slice, don't continue to, to search the internet trying to fix it and spend another year working at it. You can do it within 30 days and we're there to help you. So this, check the, the link in the description. Yeah. This is the most exciting I've been about anything because this, this, this for me feels like the best solution we've ever created in my yeah. life. And that's, that's, that's something because I think we've done some and new the fastest, things. I think the fastest yeah, the Speed, thing. speed, speed. But just understanding and going, even if the slice, you know, we're saying it's going to go forever, even if it comes back, you know that you've got to go, you can go back to that framework again and you can pinpoint the problem and why you, you know, why you're slicing it. So yeah, super excited. Okay guys, check the link and also, yeah. See you yeah. next week. See you next week.